98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. Hong Kong has scrambled to stock up on food as the SAR braces for its second severe tropical storm in less than a week. The chief executive says she'll convene a panel of experts to advise on whether people need boosters against COVID. And President Xi Jinping unveils a 1.5 billion yuan fund to support biodiversity protection efforts in developing countries. Hong Kong is hunkering down as severe tropical storm Kompasu brushes past the city, prompting the observatory to issue the number eight storm signal at 5.20pm. Ferry and most bus services were suspended and MTR trains have been running at eight to ten minute intervals and as much as 30 minutes for the airport express. The observatory warned that storm surges may lead to flooding and urged the public to take care. Yung Kwok Chung is an acting senior scientific officer. In the past couple of hours, local winds were strengthening. Gale force wind prevailed over the offshore waters, while wind on high grounds reached storm force. Meanwhile, wind bank associated with composite are affecting the coast of Guangdong. According to the peasant's forecast track, composite will be the closest to Hong Kong in the early tomorrow morning, skirting within 400 kilometers to the south of Hong Kong. The gale or storm signal number eight will remain in force, at least before sunrise tomorrow morning. Officials say they've received nine reports of fallen trees and one man sought hospital treatment after being injured in the storm. Meanwhile, people emptied shelves at supermarkets across the city as they scrambled to stock up on supplies. Some shoppers told RTHK they're preparing for the worst. During the last typhoon, everything was so chaotic. This time, with more advanced warning, I have more time to prepare. Last time, everything happened so suddenly, we were caught by surprise, and everything was a mess. I'm so early today because we need to buy stuff for tomorrow. We need to be ready and prepare for it, so that no need to go out tomorrow for our safety also. I know that uh, the people will have the panic buying and then later on many people in the market. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says she'll convene experts advising the government on its COVID-19 strategy to discuss whether some residents need a booster shot against the virus. It comes after the World Health Organization recommended that people over 60 who have been vaccinated with jabs made by Sinopharm and Sinovac will need a booster shot. Meanwhile, the CE admitted that Hong Kong's vaccine take-up rate wasn't good, with less than 70% of the population having received the first dose. Ultimately, it requires the cooperation of everyone in society. Now, if a person uh, has taken a jab, what about this person's uh, parents? What about his grandparents? What about his uh, relatives and friends? Please help us to appeal to people around you that if we want to have uh, normal travel with the mainland and normal travel with overseas, if we want to be able to to uh, go to elsewhere for tourism again, then please help us to um, raise the vaccination rate to a higher level. Health officials reported four new COVID-19 cases all imported. The patient aged between 32 and 58 didn't show symptoms and had been fully vaccinated. They flew in from Indonesia, Russia and the UK. The Hong Kong government's donating 7.5 million doses of AstraZeneca vaccines to COVAX, the global vaccine sharing programme. Health Secretary Sophia Chan says the batch, which had yet to be delivered to the SAR, will be handed over by the second quarter of next year. She stressed there are already 15 million shots of BioNTech and Sinovac available. 
it is important for those places where we have sufficient vaccine and if we have more than sufficient then it would be most appropriate for us to donate through the WHO COVAX facility to those needy countries. University of Hong Kong epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling applauded the move. I think it's fantastic that in Hong Kong we can donate those AstraZeneca vaccines to countries that really need them. Those vaccines are going to save lives in the coming weeks and the coming months. And I wonder whether the government might also consider donating some of the BioNTech and Sinovac that we have in stock right now in Hong Kong that we don't particularly need urgently. Maybe can donate them as well to save lives now and then arrange for future deliveries to replenish our stock maybe next year when we really need the vaccines. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. President Xi Jinping has announced the creation of a 1.5 billion yuan fund to protect biodiversity in developing countries. Mr Xi was addressing a UN environmental conference in Kunming. I announce that China will take the lead in investing 1.5 billion yuan to establish the Kunming Biodiversity Fund to support biodiversity conservation in developing countries. China calls on and welcomes all parties to contribute to the fund. Mainland authorities say at least 15 people have died in heavy rain and flooding in Changxi province earlier this month after the normally dry region was pounded with three months' rain in one week. Priscilla Ng reports. Speaking at a press conference, Shanxi emergency management official Wang Qirui said 15 people were killed by extreme weather earlier this month. Another three people are still missing. He added that around 19,000 buildings were destroyed, with 18,000 others seriously damaged. While at least 60 coal mines in the province, one of China's top coal-producing regions, had temporarily closed due to the floods, Mr. Wang said all but four have since returned to normal operation. Shanxi received more than three times the average monthly rainfall for October in just five days, with the authorities saying precipitation had broken records in multiple localities. Several regions across China have been hit by unprecedented flooding this year. Thousands were evacuated in the Hubei and Sichuan provinces this summer because of torrential rain. More than 300 people were killed in Henan province last month following record downpours. China's top anti-graft watchdog has kicked off a two-month inspection of the country's banking and insurance regulator as part of a broader campaign to weed out corrupt officials in the financial sector. The Central Commission for Discipline in Inspection is deploying teams to 25 financial institutions, including the central bank, stock exchanges, banks and asset management companies, with orders to focus on their party committees. A statement issued by the China Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission, the first institution to come under scrutiny, said inspectors will be looking for any violation of political discipline, a euphemism for corruption. China Evergrande has missed its third round of bond payments in three weeks, intensifying market fears over contagion involving other property developers. Some bondholders said they didn't receive coupon payments totaling 148 million US dollars due today after missing two other payments last month. That puts investors at risk of large losses at the end of the 30-day grace periods as the troubled developer wrestles with more than 300 billion US dollars in liabilities. Internationally, the North Korean leader has defended his country's weapons development program, saying it's necessary in the face of hostile American policies. 
Addressing the Defence Development Exhibition, Kim Jong-un stressed that Pyongyang is building up its military in self-defence, not to start a war. The BBC's Laura Bicker has more. Kim Jong-un was surrounded by missiles and giant portraits of himself in military uniform as he addressed officials at a rare defence exhibition. He said the aim of his country's military was not to target South Korea and he accused the United States of creating tension in the region with wrong decisions and actions. Mr Kim said his country's most important objective was possessing an invincible military capability that no one would dare challenge. Pyongyang is under strict international sanctions to curb its nuclear programme, but the regime has managed to test four new weapon systems in recent weeks. The European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen is urging world leaders to do all they can to prevent a humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan. As a virtual summit of G20 leaders gets underway, Ms von der Leyen promised a support package of more than a billion US dollars, including 300 million in humanitarian aid. BBC's Yogita Lamai is in Kabul. She said that this is humanitarian aid. It will be channeled through international agencies that are operating on the ground. It is separate to development aid that was also coming into Afghanistan prior to the 15th of August and being channeled through the government and through government agencies on the ground. So she has made that separation very clear, trying to say that Afghan people shouldn't suffer, we should be trying to help them out. But at the same time, this is a government that has seized control of the country. This is a government that we do not recognize yet. And therefore, development aid, which was flowing into the country, there wasn't an indication that she was about to start that yet. The investigation into the devastating explosion in Beirut last year has been suspended after a new legal complaint was made against its chief investigator. The BBC's Sebastian Usher reports. The explosion at the port in Beirut on August the 4th last year still casts a dark shadow over Lebanon, but increasingly people there are losing faith in any genuine accountability being achieved over the disaster. For the second time in the past few weeks, the probe into the blast has been suspended. Two former ministers have lodged a legal complaint against the lead judge, Tarek Bitar. The two were meant to attend questioning this week. Earlier today, Mr Bitar issued an arrest warrant for one of them, the former finance Minister Ali Hassan Khalil after he failed to show up for his scheduled session. The Indian Federal Power Ministry has warned state governments not to sell electricity on open markets, even as tens of millions of consumers face power cuts. It said that if state utilities were found to be taking advantage of surging prices, electricity suppliers, supplies from the federal producers would be curtailed. The BBC's Anbarasan Itarajan has more details. The statement by the power ministry came amid warnings that India's coal stock is alarmingly low, hitting production in coal-fired power plants. Some states have already imposed several hours of power cuts and face further outages. Nearly 70% of India's electricity is generated using the primary fossil fuel. India is the world's second largest importer of coal after China. But with global prices sharply increasing, companies are turning to already stretched domestic supplies. President Emmanuel Macron has announced a 35 billion US dollar plan of investment aimed at giving France an edge in new technologies such as green energy production and biomedicine. The announcement comes six months before presidential elections in which Mr Macron is expected to stand. From Paris, the BBC's Hugh Schofield reports.
President Macron said France had wasted years through poor investment choices, but now, with the economy emerging from Covid, was a chance for the country to become a world leader once again by intelligent and focused reindustrialization. Half of the 30 billion euros will go on energy and transport. Nuclear is back in favour with investment in so-called small modular reactors. Heavy industry, chemicals and cement, for example, is to be decarbonised. And the president set out plans to make France a leader in production of so-called green hydrogen. Sport and Germany have booked their place for next year's World Cup after a 4-0 win over North Macedonia. Two goals from Timo Werner helped Germany avenge their shock defeat in the reverse fixture and secure their place in Qatar with two games to spare. Elsewhere, Wales kept alive their slim hopes of finishing top of Group E by beating Estonia. A playoff place looks more likely, though, as Wales bid to qualify for their first World Cup since 1958. The BBC's Alistair Bruce Ball reports. It wasn't a classic, but Wales earned the win, which keeps them right in the hunt for second spot in Group E and a place in the World Cup playoffs. Kiefer Moore's seventh goal for his country won the game, prodding the ball home from close range after Chris Meppham's and Aaron Ramsey's efforts were scrambled off the line. But Wales also needed goalkeeper Danny Ward to make a couple of important saves as they couldn't find another goal to make the game safe. But if they can beat Belarus at home next month, they'll then take a three-point lead over the Czech Republic into the final round of games, which would mean if Wales could avoid defeat to Belgium in Cardiff, they'd be in the playoffs. There were also wins for the Netherlands and Norway in the European qualifiers. Tennis and there were big shocks at Indian Wells with defending champion Bianca Andreescu and top seed Karolina Pliskova both knocked out. Andreescu was beaten by Estonia's Annette Kontaveit 7-6-6-3. Kontaveit will next play Brazilian Beatriz Haddad Maia who knocked out Pliskova in straight sets. The Boston Red Sox have eliminated the reigning American League champion Tampa Bay Rays from the baseball playoffs. Boston won game four, six to five, to take the best of five division series, 3-1. In the National League, both the San Francisco Giants and the Atlanta Braves each need just one more win to advance. The Giants blanked the Los Angeles Dodgers 1-0 in game three for a 2-1 lead while the Braves lead the Milwaukee Brewers by the same margin, thanks to a 3-0 victory for the second game in a row. And that's your look at sport. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. Hong Kong has scrambled to stock up as the SR braces for its second severe tropical storm in less than a week. The chief executive says she'll convene a panel of experts to advise on whether people need boosters against COVID. And President Xi Jinping unveils a 1.5 billion yuan fund to support biodiversity protection efforts in developing countries. To the weather, the number eight northeast gale or storm signal is in effect. We can expect strong to gale force north to northeasterly winds, occasionally storm force offshore and on high ground. The winds will moderate gradually by tomorrow night. Currently it's 25 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity is 70%. The news from RTHK. 